if you realize that you're being suppressed or people trying to like control the narrative of your career, your career is your career and you should control that narrative. You should try things. You should be allowed to fail. You should be allowed to do all of these different things. Nobody should dictate to you how you run your career and what that looks like. So you got to run your race at the end of the day. And if that race leads you to another company, go for it. What's up? Welcome to the You Know's Best Spot. I appreciate your support. In return, I hope I provide you with some worthwhile gems that benefit you on your journey. At the very least, I hope I put a smile on your face. If not, hopefully you share this with someone that does benefit. And I got you next time. Again, thanks for joining today, and let's get this thing going. All right, welcome to another episode of the You Know's Best Spot. I want to give you the truth, the whole truth. Well, the best I can, so help me God. I got the homie Wiz, D'Angelo Wisdom, on the uh, podcast today. It's Thanksgiving after. Dad Thanksgiving, but we in Chicago, he came to see his family and spend time and, you know, decided to grace us with his presence. So I appreciate you coming through, bro. Hold appreciate up, bro. Hold up. Hold <laughs> up. <laughs> no matter. No matter. You know, backstory. Wiz, you are Jamaican. Yeah. You were born in Jamaica. Yeah. All right. Grew up a little bit in Jersey. Yep. Then came to Chicago. Well, no, no, no. Back up, back up. Okay. So it, it's Jamaica, New York. Okay. Uh, best out Brooklyn to be exact. Okay, best out, uh, best out. in the nineties. So you know that joint was crazy. Okay. Uh, and then Jersey. Okay. Then, then Chicago. Okay. Yep. Okay. You like cold places, clearly. My parents like cold places. Yeah, that's always interesting when I like meet people that are like West Indian or Latin. I'm like, wow, and they're not from like Peru or some shit. Yeah. I'm like, why in the world did you move somewhere cold of all places? Well, you know, when you immigrate to the States, bro, you're going to move to where you got family at and, and where where people done did it already, right? Like where people pretty much started where you started. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And in, in, in New York ain't nothing but little Jamaica. So we had family there. We, we stayed with family for a little bit. Um, and then, you know, eventually branched off, got our own spots and everybody working and Everybody staying in the same apartment. So we was all in the same little studio apartments. Like my mom tore her homegirls and me. Um, and <laughs> we had this, this, never mind. I ain't going to tell you that part of the story. But basically, that's how we started out. And then we kind of branched out from there. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, humble beginnings. Yeah, bro. Today, real, bro. real humble. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So you do all that. You grow up in Chicago. Like you finish high school in Chicago. Yep. And you go to Purdue. Yep. So... Well, this is how I know Marty. Uh, I met Marty like her first week when she was on Wiz's couch, right? Yeah. Right? Because uh, she had just moved there and was waiting on her place. But how was that experience? Because I know Marty's perspective, but like, how was that being in like West Lafayette around? The uh, it was a little different. Uh, Indiana, Indiana as a whole is different. Um, and I think the cool part about it was it was like, you get to go to this new this new place. It's its own bubble, mm-hmm. and you know you with your new friends and you meet new people and all that stuff. And the good thing about Indiana too is that you have all the universities that are like within like a two hour drive mm-hmm. uh, from Purdue. So I can go to University of Illinois. Um, I can go to I State. I can go to Ball State. I can go to IUPUI, I could go to Butler, I could go to Bloomington, um, you know, so Purdue Calumet, like you, you literally have all these schools around you. So you get it to DePaul, you can get a chance to just meet people. And a lot of the schools that I just named, like I'm friends with a lot of people from those schools, mm-hmm. um, just through traveling and going to parties or, or frat stuff or whatever the case is. But I will say that that's kind of where we kind of came into our own in West Lafayette. And you got a chance to try out different things. That was the first time. I would play beer prong. That was the first time I was going to the frat houses. That was the first time the white frat houses, not the black ones, because black, you know, they ain't had frat houses like that. Um, So, you know, it was the first time I was doing that. And then, you know, going to the bars and like all that stuff. So it just it just created all of these new experiences in a bubble. Okay. Essentially. So it was it was cool, man. You know, we got to we got to do some some wild and crazy things that we probably wouldn't get away with in a in a big city. Okay. So so let's circle back. Why did you choose Purdue versus any other school being that you was like you got I uh is it IU? Yeah, so um so uh I actually I actually got a full ride scholarship to Alabama A and M, but I didn't want to go there. 
just because it's Alabama, bro. And I was just like, oh, like living out here and then not having, like having not been to the South for real. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know nothing about the South. I didn't know nothing about um, HBCUs or anything like that. So I never even really looked at those just because I just heard. And again, you know, like we came up in the time when like the internet was still developing. So it was just like, mm-hmm. there wasn't that much information for me to obtain on like HBCUs and like certain schools like that. So for me, my eyes were like dialed into PWIs. Cause I'm like, I ain't trying to go to this HBCU and maybe it ain't like accredited if I want to transfer or like, will it hinder me from getting a job? Do people know this school or whatever? So I'm like, I'm going to go to one of them names, one of them names that's irrefutable. Like people know this name. Mm-hmm. So in quick backstory, I went to Oak Park. Right. So Oak Park colors is orange and blue. So that's West. That's West, uh, West suburb. So uh, Oak Park River Forest High School. But the reason why I didn't go to like a university of Illinois is because a lot of people from my school was going there. So it was basically going to be like high school 2.0. And it's the same colors. And I was just like, man, I want to, I want to go see something different. I want to go do something different. Uh, my mom actually bribed me and was like, yo, if you go to University of Illinois at Chicago, I'll buy you a brand new car. That way you can just stay home. You go to school. I was like, I don't know. I might have got bought, bro. Nah, bro. <laughs> I ain't want to do that. Nah, nah, I understand. Because when I went to college, there's my high school. There's the highway. Go under yeah. the highway. There's a college. Yep. Right. And my mom wanted me to go to that school. I didn't even apply, but my mom kicked me out the house for like oh. two weeks because we had an argument, and I was like, "Bro, I'm not going to that school. I don't care what you say." But again, you're only child, right? Yeah. So I get it from the only child. Like they don't want the child to go far. Nah. Um. But yeah, nah. I, I don't think I, that would have bought me, but I I definitely understand wanting to not go to school with your high school classmates and yeah, to get away. Exactly. Exactly. I just I just kind of wanted to to venture out and, and meet new people and, and kind of like start a new because also that's what I've been used to, right? Mm-hmm. Like the move from New York to New Jersey was like starting a new. The move from Jersey to uh Illinois was starting a new. And I was just like, all right, cool, it's time to start a new again. So um Indiana was it. But funny story, um, I actually got into U- University of Illinois and my uh my letter came and I hit that joint. <laughs> Make sure you yeah, 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 yeah. no, no, she knows, she knows okay. now. Uh, it's because she ended up finding the letter, okay? So I had that joint, um, and it wasn't until like after I was like first semester in at Purdue when she found a letter. She called me, she was like, Yo, you got in the University of Illinois? I was like, Yeah, but I didn't want to go there. She was just like, Yo, you crazy, um, but. You know, it was it was it was cool. And and it's funny too because at the time, bro, um, in state, yeah, definitely would have been cheaper. Me going to out of state school, the good thing about that school is it's two hours away. Mm-hmm. Like I was literally just there like a few days ago, okay. like on the way, on the way up here. Um, but it's like I ain't home, but like you can get to me if there's an emergency. Like either way, if it's an emergency mm-hmm. with me, if it's an emergency at home, like we can we can get there. Right. We can get to it's each other. So exactly, exactly. It's not that bad. So, um, at the time though, man, my mom didn't know how my mom and dad, they was like, I don't know how the hell we going to pay for this. Cause it was, I think it was like 30 bands a year at the time. I mean, I think Howard's around, around us, but it was, it was close. It was expensive as here. Yeah, bro. So like, you know, that, that was a whole situation. So my mom, bro, my mom, my dad, my, I think my mom had like two jobs. My dad had like two jobs. I want to say they, they damn near had three jobs at a point. A point in time just to kind of just to put me through school, bro. And, you know, it was it was rough to watch, but, you know, graduated and, and we here now. So it, it it all worked out. I mean, we had to go through some shit for a little bit, but it all worked out. And so circling back a little bit while at Purdue, you majored in engineering, right? Yeah. So like what made you want to do the engineering thing like what? Like you said, the internet wasn't a big thing at the time. So, like, how did you know, like, oh, I want to be an engineer? <laughs> All right. So, um, literally, uh, my mom was putting me in, like, these little, like, STEM programs and stuff like that, like, early on. So, I knew I wanted to do something centered around, like, technology. Okay. Um, and then, even when I was in Jersey, um, I used to, like, build computers. Like, I'm talking about from scratch. Like, motherboard all the way up to, like, the shell, like, everything. Installing the OS, like, all of that. So, I was just like, all right, cool. Um, maybe I should get in like computer science, but honestly, the, how I chose my major was like, we were sitting down 
and going through like that whole thing. And I was like, all right, which one of these can I make the most money in? That literally, literally yeah. what I said. I was like, yeah. I'm not coming here and we paying all this money to, for me to go here and I go major in some BS. Like I ain't about to do that. Yeah. So like if I'm about to pay some of these loans back, I need to put myself in a position where I'm getting paid enough to be able to at least start enjoy. pushing that down and still enjoy myself and all of that and be able to like give back to my family if need be. So that's kind of how I selected my major. But um, I started off in uh, computer science um, and then did that for about two and a half years. And um, one of the classes I took was like a it was like I won't really call it an elective, but basically uh, we learned about like supply chain. Mm-hmm. And that intrigued me to no end. I was like, yo, that's crazy. Like, if these boxes stop moving, if these ships stop moving, if these trucks stop moving, the whole world gonna shut down. We saw a little bit of that over the pandemic. Yeah. So it's still there because a little bit of my business, I'm trying to get a new car, mm-hmm. you know, tax purposes. Okay. Okay. And they talking and they talking to me about like, well, we ain't got no cars because of the pandemic and yeah. shipping. And I, I was like, Bro, y'all better give me a car. <laughs> yeah, bro. It's well, I mean the supply chain is a little is a little bit better now. We we can we can get into that a little bit later. But uh yeah, it was it was a struggle for a little bit in terms of just like people not getting the right amount of things that they're supposed to get with their vehicles, like features missing, charging ports missing, the automatic lift gate ain't automatic, like all that stuff. On a luxury car, like mm-hmm. you, you just bought a, a new X5 and you <laughs> you gotta lift that. You gotta lift that chain. Nah, bro. Yeah. So computer science and then did that for about two and a half years, took the supply chain class, was really intrigued by that. And then what that turned into was me then exploring other options. Cause I was like, you know what? I'm really not trying to sit down and code all day. Like I, I like people. I like to get out. I think that's what most people think about. With engineers. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, even when you told me you was an engineer, but you was like, I work at Walmart when I met yeah. you. I was like, <laughs> yeah, bro. Supply chain, supply chain, the engineers, bro. Like every everything that you interact with from a supply chain standpoint, like the back end platforms, the website, everything needs like front end and back end engineers. So um, that's what powers the whole thing. You still got the business people and all stuff making those decisions and connections and strategic um, partnerships and all of that stuff, but you still need something to power to make it run. Yeah. Um, I, I told somebody, no matter where you work at now, if you're, if you're, business has a online product mm-hmm. or like like they have they cut customer face with like the internet or something you work for a tech company at this point kind of but all, all tech companies ain't created equal no they're not <laughs> definitely not <laughs> i would just say that but like a lot of people always you yeah. know tech is the bugger i want to yeah, be in tech yeah. i'm like i don't know if you want to be in yeah. tech tech wish you watch man bad economies. <laughs> like, it, it, it is it is but the, the thing is man like it's a lot of people that Say they want to work in tech, but in reality, y'all work for a tech company in non-technical roles. And mm-hmm. like, let's just let's just call a spade a spade. Yeah. Um, and when y'all getting let go, and you want certain teams that are like non-critical, even on the engineering team, sometimes like sometimes they may go, you know what? We're not gonna hedge our bets on this particular platform or this particular type of technology, yeah. and your whole team might get wiped. But I think you put yourself in a better position being in a technical role at a tech company to actually stay. Mm-hmm. And you got to be in either, either you're creating the product that generates revenue or you got to re- generate revenue. Yep. I tell that to anybody that's yeah. understanding. Like, I'm like, everybody want to be in divs and all these roles that fun roles. Are, are, fun, are fun and not so stressful. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you don't make money, and you don't create the thing that makes money, you're gonna be the first person to get up out of it. Yep. And and that's why, and, and honestly, bro, like that's why a lot of black people was disproportionately affected by a lot of these layoffs. Because mm-hmm. they was in non-technical roles. Yeah, human resources. Human resources recruiting, recruiting got hit nasty. Yeah. Like TA, like, you know, so if a company yeah. ain't hiring, you ain't doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, um, I think a lot of people need to think about that because like it's 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 cutthroat right here. And I don't know that it's going to go back to what it was for nah, bro. years. Like, nah, bro. But um, I think a lot of people have realized, look, we got to make sure, even if we're extremely profitable, these extra, these extra roles, everybody going lean. Like, lean. everybody was on Musk head, but, it, like, it sucks. Yeah. Like, from a, from a moral and, like, a personal standpoint, 
I felt for those people. From a business perspective, you get it. If you are not making me money, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, bro. Yeah, like, no, that's facts. That's facts. And the other thing I will add to that is generative AI and like that whole boom that's going on right now, like with companies like NVIDIA, um, OpenAI, like all these companies, that's going to flip everything on its head. Um, and a lot of the things that I'm like, a lot of conversations I'm involved in, a lot of things that we're talking about are going to eventually replace people. some of, yeah, people, people, roles. It's going to change the way we look at things, the way we do things, and it's going to be designed to optimize. And a lot of the reasons why we can't optimize is because people are the bottleneck. And in a way, or they they are causing costing us money that we yeah. can't invest into. Right. Yeah. And then also, too, people need to sleep. Um, you know, if you got something that's running 24-7, 365, like you probably going to hedge your bets on that because that's going to optimize your business, going to optimize your workforce. And that's that's basically optimizing the people that are in those critical functions that that need to do whatever the things are. So, like, that's going to be a whole that's going to be a whole nother thing. But I mean, that's history, though, like. Everything is yes. you eventually get rid of too many people. Right? Yeah. Like um, I, w- I went to the museum down the street and they were talking about how like people used to mine. Right? Mm-hmm. And they showed mm-hmm. us how like they eventually could mine a whole like whatever. Yeah. With a machine where that used to take like hundreds of people. Right. Yeah. It's all about how what can I do to be efficient and get the most mm-hmm. out, of, out of quickly. But like we've been talking about computers and robots replacing us since I was a kid. I remember like stuff like that, like with Terminator or whatever, like be careful of the, yeah. the, the smart computers and stuff because it's going to take over. But yeah. like, if you ain't, if you don't have the forethought of like, Hey, I need to have my own business. I need to have my own thing going on outside of this. Then like this job is cool. It's stable, but I got something else to do. Yeah. If, if things, if this get taken away or I, I have a skill set that other people are going to want to hire, then you're going to be in a position so that's disadvantageous. Here's the thing, though. Um, AI is one of those things that, yeah, you're going to have like the manual labor and like those types of things that people are going to optimize and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But there's also when you think about like, OK, we creators. Right. Mm-hmm. When you think about the creator economy, you got your thumbnail designers, you got your editors, mm-hmm. you have you know, strategists, you got people that do like brand strategy, people that like help you write your scripts, like people that like do all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And even in companies, you got people that like, like do like executive uh, comms and messaging and things like that. And a lot of that is you can do all of that now with AI. Yeah. Like I, I, I do my editing for like my clips on the AI system, right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's, that's super interesting. Um, so in that time, right, you, you graduate from college. Yep. Did you start at Walmart or were you so use at Amazon or something? Nah, nah, nah. So uh so so it's funny. I think you walked to work for a lot of these big companies. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do, do, intentionally. Yeah. But the the thing is, so um I was one of those people that I was um I was always smart, I would say, and I applied myself. Um and then when I made the switch over to industrial engineering, um you know, started doing a lot more work there. I was working at a hardware store. So that kind of gave me like hands-on experience, like unloading trucks, like seeing the supply chain for what it is um, at a private company. I didn't have an internship, Mm. any internships. Like, why was it? Bro, it was competitive. Um, It was competitive, bro. And and even, and even though I had like the 3.0 and all of that stuff, like it was like the interview piece. I think that was another thing too, where I feel like I wish that I had someone to sit down with me and like spend more time with me, like interview prep and stuff like that. Cause I think that kind of rubbed me out for some of those internships amongst like others that were interviewing as well for those roles. Okay. So the thing was, after college, like, well, basically, like, I had, I found one job. I went to this one job fair. Like, it was, it was basically like the job fair that was like the last ever job fair that you can go to and find a job before you graduate. Okay. It was one of them situations. Last, last, it was like, last, it was like a last, like a last, last chance yeah. situation. Yeah. I was like, man, you know what? Uh, I need to, I need to just get the experience. But also, too, we was coming off of 2008 and like, you know, that whole situation, recession, yeah. recession and all that stuff. So uh, what they were doing was management trainee programs. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get in through one of those. And I uh, 
was uh, working for JCPenney at the time. But <laughs> the funny thing about it was I was supposed to go to Connecticut. And then they called me and they were like, we basically not taking no interns. I thought they was calling me and telling me they was about to rescind my offer. I was panicking, bro. Mm-hmm. What was sweating? I was like, oh, wait, but mm-hmm. I have a job. Yeah. Um, but what they was calling me to ask was, we, you can't go to Connecticut no more. Use one of the interns or management trainees uh, slated to go to Connecticut. Do you want to go to Lenexa, Kansas, Winter Park, California? I ain't never heard of any of these places. Mm-hmm. And then they named like a couple other places. And then the last place they went to was Atlanta. I said, fool, <laughs> you should have you should have with, with that one. You should have led with that. So yeah, so I ended up ended up going to Georgia, uh, working for JC Penny, um, and in there, so I was the inbound manager for their salon and Sephora division, and I was I did I was there for like a year and a month, okay. um, and then I left because uh, I ended up seeing a role at Amazon. Also, like looking at the company, I was like, y'all not making the transition into e-com, which is where y'all need to be. And just you just didn't have a lot of those forward thinkers out there. And I was like, this is a company that's going to get left behind. Yeah. So I made an executive decision to bounce. And Smart, man. Yeah. And so you went to Amazon. Yep. Me, Amazon. Then Walmart. Amazon. For, yeah. Amazon for two and a half years. And I was in uh, Southern Indiana and then uh, took a role. After that, I was like, OK, cool. Like being in operations, I didn't want to stay in operations like the whole time. I wanted to kind of like jump into different like mm-hmm. facets of it. And they were trying to put me in a box. Hmm. So I was like, you know what? They were like, you good at operations, staying operations. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm a dip. And I went to Walmart, but I went to them under the condition of I'm going to launch this fulfillment center for you, this new e-commerce fulfillment center for you. Because at the time they had, they didn't really have any. Okay. And they were building a semi-automated one in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And I was like, I will launch this for you. And if I launch this successfully and I do a good job, y'all got to take care of me on the back end. And like promote me out of here because I ain't trying to live in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. No, no offense. So you were saying like you was um in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at Walmart, mm-hmm. making sure that they didn't like pigeonhole you too. Yeah, but I, I led with that in the interview process. Um, even like when I was going through like negotiation and everything like that, I was like, "Yo, look, this is this is what I'm interested in. And this is the only reason why I'm leaving this company because I can stay here. I didn't have to leave Amazon." at the time because like amazon was like still growing at 40 percent and amazon they rank you mm, okay and so you know whatever your role is let's say it's 50 of y'all y'all get, y'all get ranked one through 50 and they tell you what your number is i don't know if they still do that but they were doing that back in the back in the day when i was there and usually in a building the top 10 got promotions so that will basically lead to some attrition and if you outside of that top 10 then you're not you're not gonna get promoted to like at least the next year. So you basically gonna move into the new top 10, which is basically what happened to me. Okay. Folks got promoted and they were like, yo, we can't let you leave basically. And I was like, nah, I kind of want to leave. Like I want to, exactly. So I was like, uh, so I actually took an operations role. So I went from being an area manager to an operations manager, okay. um, outbound operations manager uh, at Walmart. And that's kind of where I started out. And then I was there, I was only in Bethlehem for about eight months, bro. Because coming from Amazon to Walmart, bro, I was so advanced. In terms of like what I knew and like what Amazon was doing versus like where Walmart was trying to go. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of my uphill battles at Walmart was more so convincing people that have been there 20, 30 years to like think differently and do things differently mm-hmm. and like subscribe to like the the amount of uh, things were going. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that was a little hard, too, because uh, two things. A, I'm black. Two, I was ooh, talking about it. I was like 24. Twenty five. Was a kid. I was a kid. Yeah. And everybody looked at me as a kid, but I was a smart kid, and it was just like that was the battle. Right. Um. So you know, once once people were like, and people were like, yo, you don't know nothing. I've been in industry longer than you. I'm like, yeah, but you don't know ecom. I do. Mm-hmm. You know. So it was it was that thing of like that battle and that struggle of it's not necessarily I'm right, you wrong, but it's more of like okay. We just going to do this all the time. So let me try to like show you and convince you as to why you should think about things this way or like at least open your mind up to these other things and ideas and stuff like that. So that was a bit of a challenge. But like once that took, like it took off mm-hmm. and and like everybody got better because of it. And it was me and a few other people that came over from Amazon, like my best friend, Nate. Um, I ended up calling him up and I was like, yeah, bro, come on over. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we went to Amazon together. Uh, we was roommates in college. We went to Amazon together, uh, and that's where that's where he met his wife. Okay, and then we went to Walmart together. Okay, uh, basically, so we, me and him, was running the show in Bethlehem, pretty much. 
Um, but yeah, they took care of me after eight months. And then they were like, yo, you trying to move to uh, Arkansas or are you trying to move to the Bay? No, I wasn't going to Arkansas. <laughs> so yeah, man, that's, that's how I ended up in the Bay. And, and, and that's where we all met. Yeah. 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 It was an interesting way how we linked up. Like I, I would consider you one of my close friends at this point. Facts. Um, and you never know how you're going to meet people. Mm. Right. And so to see your, like when we met, we was, Early thirties, late twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because I'm thirty seven now, so it's it's been a, it's been eight years. Yeah, cause I'm, my bad. I was twenty six. I moved to the base. So seven years. We met seven years. Twenty six, twenty seven. I don't yeah. know, something like that. We met in two thousand sixteen. So yeah. seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. Seven and a half years ago, and like to to see people's journey over that time, mm-hmm. because like I think a lot of people underestimate like that period of your life, like how much transition you go to is like. That's when you first make any like your real money. Mm-hmm. When you start like thinking like an adult, adult, like mm-hmm. I gotta like put stuff away. I need to like start buying property. I need to like get married, right? Wiz is a married man. Now, if you can see, he has a ring on his finger. Bang. When we, we, we met, <laughs> <laughs> he was living a different lifestyle. But uh, we always lived a different lifestyle because it was a, it was a great time to be in the Bay. The Bay is not yeah. what it was yeah. seven years ago, but like. It was, we was traveling, we was doing things, you, you had money in your pocket, mm-hmm. um, and there was stuff to do. Yeah. Like, a lot of people like, oh, the bait. I was like, I mean, they had stuff for us to do. Wow, we was. We and, and you could meet some women that were very smart, but also very attractive. So he was like, oh, this, yep. this works. Yep. This works. Yep. Um, well, no brokies in the bay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, and that shifted my my mindset about like the type of spouse I wanted. I wanted someone that was my equal, yeah. or close to my equal, you know, as far as earning potential, and like, so we could have that dual income, mm-hmm. right? So we could build wealth quicker and all that stuff, right? And then pandemic happens, mm-hmm. and life kind of shifts for everybody, and that's kind of that's when around the time you made your transition over to Nike. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, it's it's funny. So just kind of going back to the to the Walmart thing real quick. So I was at Walmart for about seven years, and the thing I enjoyed about uh, Walmart was the fact that they really like bought into um, what I was saying in terms of like them allowing me the autonomy to like explore my career and really take my career into my own hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I jumped into technical project management. I worked in like customer care for a little bit. I'm doing some projects there. And then um, I went and talked to a few senior directors to see who would take a chance on me because I wanted to jump in a product. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I know Marty was in product and Marty used to talk to me about it all the time. And I was like, man, I work with product managers all the time. Like, I'm like, I could do that. So, you know, I had to find somebody to take a chance on me. So I found one senior director um, who took a chance on me and she was like, all right, I'm going to give you this product team. And the product team was oof, rough. It was rough. Mm-hmm. I took it over. And in a stretch role, and I was doing that for maybe like a few months and started turning things around. But like I said, it was rough. Once the team started producing a lot better and like the morale started going back, not just with like product, but also the engineering team. Cause like that was the, it was the whole thing was, was, communication. was jacked up. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, they were like, yo, we want you to stay in this role. So ended up staying in the role. So I was a group product manager. Um, so if anybody don't know what a group product manager is, it's a product manager that manages other product managers, but I still own a platform. So uh was doing that uh, for about 18 months, actually. Uh, so basically had the on-the-job experience of being a product manager. And then uh, we had a partnership with Cornell. So I went and did like a course, with Corn- a product management course with okay. Cornell to like get like a formalized education of being a product so manager to like kind marry- of going back home a little bit. You know what I'm saying? A little bit, a little bit, a little yeah. bit, a little bit. Uh, so formalized. So it just basically formalized everything I had learned like on the ground uh, versus like conceptually, like what is product management? What are all these different tools that you can potentially add to your toolkit? And not only did it help me become a better product manager, it also helped me become a better product leader. Okay. So... And that, that part of the story is important because I was only in product manager for 18 months. I remember that 18 months. And then Nike came knocking and was like, yo, we got this. Mind you, I'm a group product manager. I'm not a director yet. Nike was like, yo, we got the senior director of product management role, technical product management for fulfillment, which is my wheelhouse. And I was like, senior director? I ain't even made director yet. Like, I ain't no way. I was ain't like, ain't no way they're going to take me, bro. So I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to just go ahead and interview for this role mm-hmm. just to get the experience to see what they're talking about. And at least that way I can just take take my lumps and then like learn from that. And then mm-hmm. eventually it'll set me up for that in the future right. or at least set me up for that director role. Right. Long story short, I go through the interview process. My second interview was somebody I used to work with at Walmart. I didn't even know he left. Again, the pandemic, you don't, you don't see yeah. people in the office no more. So you don't know when people leave, people don't update their LinkedIn. So um, and he ended up being my boss, but I ended up getting an offer. And I was and I ended up negotiating that um, as well. So shout out to Adrian, who helped me negotiate my offer uh, with Nike. And yeah, bro. So now, you know, I was a senior director at Nike in, in technical product management. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like I'm sitting there like this is crazy. Like I've never heard no story like this. So you're talking about your coworker that interviewed you and that ended up you ended up getting a job at Nike. Yeah. Yeah. So so basically uh, what happened was, like I said, uh, they came knocking um the role was, was was much more elevated than I thought that I was ready for at the time. Yeah. And then, uh, and I was like, you know what, why not like get the interview practice out of it. And then, you know, maybe that'll help me help set me up for, for the role when it's, when it's that time, but at least let me get the practice out of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my second interview was with somebody I knew. Mm-hmm. And so that interview was really good because it was more conversational and I got a chance to like really learn more about like what's happening, the lay of the land. Um, and then I think it just kind of eased me into the rest of the interview process. It just kind of made it a little bit smoother, honestly. And yeah, so I got I got the role. Um, you know, uh, my homie Adrian helped me negotiate and everything like that as well. So that's important. So make sure y'all negotiate. Uh oh, Adrian that worked at Walmart? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's those relationships. That's why Adrian was at the wedding too. Like you know, Adrian, Adrian Adrian been in my life for a little I feel like Adrian watched me grow up uh for the most part um in corporate America. So like I said, man, make sure make sure y'all negotiate. Um don't don't take what that paper says and just be like, ooh, this is good. I'm gonna roll with it. Nah, it's, nah, it's fam. A good check. Yeah, it's a good check. Nah, nah. You 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 gonna wanna negotiate. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and really and do your research before you negotiate because you need to know what the, the going rate for that role is, especially um in the market that you live in, right? So I live in the Bay Area, so you know, it's a little little different than if I were to live somewhere else. I can ask a little bit different. So that's an important piece. But um, but yeah, so long story short, got the role and yeah, it took off, took off running, man. And, you know, only having only been in a, a product management role for 18 months. And then you kind of capped out with some of that, the 10 years of experience that I've kind of had before that with supply chain and, yeah. and, and logistics and operations and just kind of orbiting around the, the the supply chain technology space. That really helped to, to set me up for that role. So another thing in that is a lot of people have this uh, imposter syndrome and all of that, but all the work that you've been putting in and the repetition and the hours and really honing in on your craft really sets you up for that next thing. And when that time comes, you can't sit back and, and look at yourself and say, like, I don't deserve this, you know, so you can do the impossible or what you think is impossible. You just got to put yourself out there. And you just got to try. I think a lot of times people don't understand, like, if you weren't qualified to be there mm-hmm. or you shouldn't have that role. You wouldn't have got as far as you got. You know what I'm saying? And exactly. I get it. Like, especially when you when you don't look like everybody else did, yep. it's tough. Maybe that's why I'm a little naive. Maybe I'm naive in that way. I like I just be like, I deserve to be here. Y'all, y'all hired me. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that I've ever had imposter syndrome. More so like, well, <laughs> I I mean, to be candid, I finessed my way into my first sales <laughs> room. You know what I'm saying? Not not saying I, I didn't lie by anything, yeah. but I might have, you know, like I said, finessed what, how my, how transferable my skills were into the role that I was taking. Um, but, you know, proof is in the pudding three, three, four years later, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. But it's definitely a thing to like navigate mm-hmm. and understand, like, mm-hmm. but also be an advocate for yourself, yep. right? Like, and understanding what you can and cannot negotiate what, what, um, and, and that sometimes goes with what role you're in. Because if mm-hmm. you're in a role that they don't really care if you come in here or not, your negotiating power is uh, less than it would be if they really need this role feel. But yeah, people people just need to understand that like everything is ordained for you to be there. Mm-hmm. And if you interviewed and made it through the process amongst all those candidates, 
then you deserve to be there. Absolutely. 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 Uh, I think I think another thing, too, uh, it, that I've noticed and I think with, with our generation, it's a little things are starting to look a little different. Um, and, you know, I think I feel like we started to kind of disrupt a little bit in corporate America. And I know Gen Z is like like they off the wall with it. Like they they quit. Whole nother story. <laughs> they, they entitled. They're like, man, I want to be a VP today. Like, bro, you just got out of school. What you, you ain't put no time in yet. They don't even you know, understand organizational Don't know nothing. nothing about nothing, but it's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we all, we all been there. Um, yeah. and I feel like we, we all thought we could do things that we just didn't know we could do yet. Yeah. But, um, what I will say is that if you look at just like our generation, a lot of gatekeeping was happening as well, too. Oh, yeah. Where sure. people will block you or try to like suppress you because we were pretty advanced, right? We think differently. Um, you know, we were of the age of technology where we're, we're starting to like look at things differently, interpret things differently, and optimize the way we work and the way we look at things. And a lot of the older generation, no offense, we're just not receptive to that and not receptive to how fast we were growing, how fast we were learning. So they tried to gatekeep us and tried to keep you in that role for like two years longer than you should have been in that role instead of like promoting you and, and, and things like that. So I think that caused um, a lot of movement amongst us just kind of moving other places because people would give you that opportunity that someone in your own company wasn't trying to give you. Right. And they're just standing in your way, basically. So um, I say that to say this. If you realize that you're being suppressed or people trying to like control the narrative of your career. Your career is your career and you should control that narrative. You should try things. Mm -hmm. um, you should be allowed to, to fail. You should be allowed to, to do all of these different things. Nobody should dictate to you how you run your career and what that looks like. So you got to run your race at the end of the day. And if that race leads you to another company, go for it. Uh, I'll add to that. Uh, understanding feedback, though, right? And going to get feedback from the right people. I think mm -hmm. where I have excelled in my current company versus my previous company was, yes, I, I do feel like there was some gatekeeping, mm -hmm. some like suppressing me because I was a black guy that spoke his mind and said mm -hmm. things, not necessarily always in, in the best uh, forum, right? But a lot of the things that we ended up doing or changing were things that I was like, hey, that doesn't make sense or that needs to mm -hmm. change. Why are mm -hmm. we doing things that way? Um, I think understanding, and I, th and I think this is for anybody that's in your career is one, when you come into an organization, finding your mentors, finding the people that will advocate for you when you're not in the room, which are your, you know, executive sponsors, whatever, mm -hmm. um, let your work speak for itself. Right. Like, and, 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 um, don't overextend yourself. I think a lot of times doing the first two things. They seem common sense, but when you are advancing in your career, people will start trying to be on this team and do this mm -hmm. extracurricular thing. And if you're not, if you're not mastering anything, then it looks bad on you because now they're like, then why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, mm -hmm. why are you like, you're not able to give your full effort and full uh, capability because you stress yourself too far. Right. And I had to learn that. Like I was mentoring people. I was on mm -hmm. Tiger teams. I was on this group. And then I'm not doing my work. Yes, taxes. <laughs> like, and people like, uh, what's mm -hmm. up, bro? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's important to definitely have your mentors because they will step in your place when those people are suppressing you. Uh, making sure that your work is on 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 par, right? Don't don't rest on your laurels ever. But understanding like when to say no or that I can't. I don't have the capacity to do that right mm -hmm. now. Uh, even if it's just somebody that you feel like is somebody that is a mentor, like, hey, because I think a lot of times people will respect you more when you say like, hey, I, I got a lot on my plate right now. Mm -hmm. I personally can't take that on right now. Uh, but I think understanding that, navigating that as a as yeah. a professional will help people get to where they really want to be. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And, and, and the last thing I really say about that is, the same way that you establish or try to establish healthy boundaries in your life, you got to establish those same healthy boundaries at work. Um, not to your detriment, obviously, but definitely got to have those boundaries and, and know when to say no or or I can't or, yo, can somebody else do this? Because I'm a king. Of, if, if it ain't, if I don't got that, don't, if it ain't, did you book it on my calendar? Like, mm -hmm. um, and I block off time so people can't book time with me. Mm -hmm. Like, 
before if if it's before nine o'clock, it's not gonna be on my calendar. If it's on after four o'clock, it ain't gonna be on my calendar because mm-hmm. I block those times off. Once coming to work, do what I got to do administratively. But at the end, mm-hmm. let, me, let me put a bow on the stuff that I need to do for that day. Mm-hmm. Or like I got stuff going on, right? Like I think somebody taught me that coming in to LinkedIn was like, hey, take control of your calendar. Don't mm-hmm. let people just throw stuff on your calendar. Mm-hmm. Uh, block off time. Like I would block off from 11 to 1. That's my lunch time. That's my me time. Like to do whatever else I I didn't that I need to follow up mm-hmm. from the beginning of the day. Um, but also like just take some, take a step back from work. I think uh-huh. people that anybody that work all day and don't like take a break to like just breathe and whatever you're doing yourself a disservice. That's why people be having a high cholesterol, yep. heart attacks, yep. stress, whatever. Because bro, them, them folks will. I hate to say this, and them people will replace you the day you die. Like <laughs> so, up. like they replace you the day you die. <laughs> like you. Like if you leave, they will be okay. Yo, if you if you turn your auto office on and you like just take take some time off from work, they still gonna be all right. Yo, example of that. Exactly what you talking about. Example of that. When I was going to work for one of them companies, I ain't gonna say which one. I think I know which company you're talking about. But the original team that's supposed to launch the building. One of the senior operations managers literally just randomly passed away suddenly, like a month before we were supposed to like be in that building and starting operations and, and, and doing all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when we were like two weeks in, the next person got hired. So I think what they did was they just probably went back down the list, like, okay, cool, who was like the second, third, or fourth, mm-hmm. the silver medalist? Who was the silver medalist yeah. in, in the interview process? And let's let's kind of just talk to them again and, and see who we want to grab out of there. And, and yeah, like I would say within a month, the new dude was was in, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, they sent the little email out and, and that was that. So exactly what you said, they're going to replace you yeah. easy. So speaking to that, like having that time off to yourself, having pouring into yourself so that you can actually be happy and fulfill the work. I, was it before the pandemic or during the pandemic when you start doing your YouTube channel? Uh, it was it was actually um, I wouldn't really call it the tail end of the pandemic, but I want to say it was it was more. I know like, you was doing a lot of different things in the pandemic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was, I feel like we all was right. Yeah. We, we was trying to just keep our keep our minds active. Uh, but yeah, I started in twenty twenty one. I think uh, May or no June 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 of twenty twenty one. In California, that in the rest of the world, the pandemic probably ended in at the end of twenty twenty. For real, for real, for real. Well, not ended, but like the it became a little bit more lax. Yeah, I won't really say it came well, because you got to think about it. Like we didn't, we didn't really start doing like offsites or meeting in person until I want to say yeah, probably about late late twenty twenty one. Even then, everybody was yeah, masked like up. Then, we didn't start letting people come in the office until like twenty twenty two. Yeah, so it was something, it was something like that. Um, but yeah, so I started, I started in June of 2021 and that really came from a place of you know when you at work like you just doing work stuff and like whether it's like a initiative or program or, or whatever it is like that's what you're working on and people kind of dictate what you work on or what you do and you can't necessarily be super creative in that yeah um YouTube for me was I was like you know what being creative and, and having some sort of creative expression was something that was important to me especially earlier on, I think the pandemic helped me realize like what things are important to you. What do you enjoy doing? Like what provides you with some sense of fulfillment? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I sit here and I watch YouTube all the time. I watch these car review videos and see people do it all types of different ways. And I have to watch multiple videos for the same car to get the information I want to get. So I was like, yo, I could do this. Right. And so, yeah, I, I actually bought a GoPro. And I didn't have no mic. I didn't have like, you know, the little GoPro comes with like the, the little table stand. Yeah. So um, I bought the GoPro because I was like, if I buy the GoPro, this is going to be me getting serious and like I spent some money. So now I'm actually going to do this thing. They said the best way to get good at something is to do it. Exactly. 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 So, you know, usually with creating, you stand in your own way. You like you overthinking. You like, ah, I don't want to put myself out there like that. And you just kind of have all of these thoughts. But 
I actually had a uh, I had a, a BMW X4 at the time and it was getting serviced and I had a loaner. So I had like a 2021 or 2022 uh, like uh, three series. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Today is the day. I was like, I'm, this is going to be the first car review. Mm-hmm. So I pulled up at some random spot. Like I said, I didn't have uh, I didn't have like everything I needed to record. But I literally uh, there was like a little uh, grass mound that was across from the car. So I just literally stuck the GoPro right there and stood around the car and I just started yelling, bro. And, and that was that was the first video. And after I got done, I was like, yo, this is terrible. Um, but that video ended up like eventually getting like 20,000 views. And I was like, oh, OK, like this is cool. Like kind of gave me a little little bit of confidence to just keep going. But um, just overall content creating and, and starting a YouTube channel, like you get a chance to, to really express yourself and you really get a chance to have a blank canvas. So that's the thing I really appreciate about it. Yeah, I think in my my experience, like you, you might have kind of um, inspired me a little bit. I know a lot of times when I started this podcast, some of it was like, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people had told me to start a podcast or like mm-hmm. do something because, you know, I'm very opinionated. Yeah, you can say some outlandish shit. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think the like to your point, like when I first started, I was on my computer. Mm-hmm. And then people were like, oh your your camera, like your video kind of mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. right? And I did that first episode with everybody here, and that was a lesson learned mm-hmm. and not to do. And then getting mics, right? At first I had a not I have different mics now, but I had the one mic where I could, it was big and long and it was doing a lot. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I need to buy these tables so I can have the tables mm-hmm. with the mic. Uh, so for audio purposes, so because uh, my editor kept saying, well, your audio quality is off, right? Because you got to position the mic right. You got to have the right mic. It got to be close enough to you. You got, you can't be having one mic for two people. Um, but then even like the editing process, right? Like I was trying to edit by myself. I was like, yeah, this is taking way too long for me to edit this by myself. You know what I'm saying? And it's not great. <laughs> so I'm like, I can just outsource this. Um, but I think it's 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 rewarding because then you start seeing mm-hmm. your development. And then you start people start engaging with your content and they like, oh, people actually like it. They they mm-hmm. deal with it, they like they're supporting. Cause I think a lot of times people want support from their friends. But they're not consistent, mm-hmm. um, and it's not always going to be your friends. It might not be your their your friends' cup of tea, right? Like I know what I'm putting out there. Not it's not not that it's not for everybody, but like everybody doesn't need it because they already have some of these resources. Some of the stuff I put out, like with the the tots episodes, uh, it's a little offensive to people oh, because they're sensitive, and I understand people have their sensitivities, and it ain't really it's not a, a situation where I'm like trying to hurt anybody. But this is just like stuff that's on my mind that I need to get off in some type of form that's mm-hmm. not like me being an a-hole to somebody. I feel that. And, and people people going to be sensitive, right? People going to take offense to anything. to anything, any and everything that you do, right? Every, everybody got like an uh, affinity to something that they really care passionately about that they're going to thump on on the internet and, and jump in the comments. Mm-hmm. But I like what you said about um, going through like and trying to figure out like the editing process and like what mic you needed and like just the setup that's gonna work for you and i feel like that's a that's a that's a process that continually evolves and mm-hmm. you because know my next mic's gonna be the lapel oh yeah um honestly look the road ain't sponsoring me but like honestly the dji and the road wireless go mics um those those mics are fire like your audio is gonna be crispy 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 with those um, and they work well indoor and outdoor. So I, those, are the, those are the mics I use when I shoot um, outdoor. Uh, but also another thing you said was just like the audio, the audio quality, like the video quality not being that great. Going through the editing process, like I've done all of these things. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when you first start a YouTube channel, you're not going to be great. Like you're going to suck. Mm-hmm. And you got to embrace the suck. And like when you embrace that suck, and you're like, all right, cool. Like I done did... Five videos, they all look a little trash. Um, got five views. You know, they got five views, one view, no views. Yep. You know, your subscribers ain't ain't up there. It's cool. Like everybody started somewhere. All of these big YouTubers that you saw or that you see now that's like getting millions and millions of views, like they they all started somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like 
one people that one person that people know is Mr. Beast, and like that's a name that that comes up. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, he was creating content. I think maybe like a few years, like four years, five years, where he didn't even have like a thousand subscribers, wouldn't get no views like that. But in that time, he got a chance to do the repetition. And also, too, you got to get through like your first hundred videos. I'm still not even at a hundred yet, but I feel like once you get through your first like hundred videos, you start to build that muscle and start to really figure out like what your um, process is, mm-hmm. what equipment you need, how to do your editing. Because my editing wasn't that great. I did it myself. My logo was something I made in Canva. But like, exactly. yeah, now nah, I outsource stuff, right? I got an editor. I got a couple editors. Um, I got a thumbnail person. And, and that's another thing. Your thumbnail, oof. If your thumbnail ain't on point, honestly, if you're going to make a YouTube channel and you want to put out good content, put out good content, still put out quality content. But if that quality content is behind the trash thumbnail, ain't nobody going to watch your video. Sorry. I don't think a lot of people are saying, so like thumbnail is like a screenshot yeah. of a part of your segment. Yeah, it's like a preview, pretty much like a like a preview of what the video is is going to speak to or what the video is going to entail. And YouTube will do it for you, but those will always be great. Nah, nah. You, and I know that from my own experience. Nah. I don't have a thumbnail person, so I just go with whatever YouTube suggests at the time. Nah, man, you, you need, honestly, like whether it's, whether it's shorts or whether it's your long form, you're going to need something that's good enough to stop people from scrolling or... Uh, one of the metrics in YouTube Studio is CTR, in which I wouldn't go by that as a hard metric, but if you look at your CTR and your CTR is like click-through rate rate is like 1%, that means that of the people that YouTube showed that video to, they didn't click on your video because maybe they just, the thumbnail just didn't grab them. It didn't grab their attention. didn't make them inquisitive enough to want to click on that and see what was behind it. Mm -hmm. So, they do a good job with the video previews and stuff now, but even then, if your if your joint not hot, like they they just gonna scroll past that joint. They're not even gonna see the preview. So uh, the the thumbnail is is really important. I think that before you even come up with an idea or a concept of whatever it is that you're gonna create, I feel it's very important to figure out what thumbnail, how you're gonna create that thumbnail, what concept you're trying to go for, and then create the video behind it, and then the titling, of course also plays a factor in all of that as well. Yeah, I know some people will do thumbnail, like they'll do a bunch of shots mm-hmm. for their thumbnails. Like they'll do some with a hat, do some without a hat, mm-hmm. do some with a different shirt, mm-hmm. doing a different pose, whatever, whatever. Because um, I did the podcast summit. Like I know you just did the summit. That yeah, was, vid, vid summit. Vid summit. I did the podcast summit that uh, David Shan started in Miami. And I learned a lot of a lot of interesting things um, at, that, at that summit from people that are doing it and are monetizing and all those things. But I think a lot of the stuff was just like, some. I hate to say this, some of the stuff is common sense. But yeah, I think a lot of times people just gotta understand, just do it, figure out what you don't mm-hmm. like, you're gonna get feedback. Yeah. And then you'd be like, okay, let me fix that. Yeah. I think the, the, other, the other thing too that really helped me out. So when I was, when I first started creating, I didn't have, I wouldn't say a support system, but I didn't have like a community. Right. Of of someone I could talk to that's actually also going through the same thing and like figuring it out as well. So I ended up this one clubhouse was hot. Um, I was like, yo, I don't got nobody to really talk to about it. And, you know, you talk to your friends and you talk to like your your wife or whatever. You know, they're going to give you constructive criticism, but I feel like it's only going to go so far. So you want people that kind of have that are in that world that kind of have, you know, that experience to understand it, to be able to say, like, no, this actually is trash. You know, or or this is good, or do more of this, or do less of that, or, or or try that. You know, so what I used to do is I would go into these forums, and I think it was a uh, her name was JJ Garrett, and I forget the other 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 lady's name that was in there, but they used to it'd be them two, and it'd be a couple other people, like probably somebody that works at YouTube, and they would rate your YouTube channel and and basically do like a channel review. They would like so you they bring you up on stage, and they'll basically like, yep, the thumbnails is trash. This is like this, this eat video. Yeah. I mean, it's not really like an eat you up. It's really constructive criticism, yeah. but it's, you know, but it's, it's, it's some good it's stuff. That you can, it is, it is. Um, and you can, you can basically like take that back and, and then kind of use that to optimize. But that's kind of the feedback that I was getting at first. And through that, I met my boy, uh, Kedrick, who's a tech reviewer on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to, he was looking for somebody to collab on a video and I ended up jumping on it. 
And since then, like me and him have like a, a really good friendship. And even now, like with my thumbnails or video ideas or whatever, um, I can hit him up and and we can talk through stuff. I can call him. He can call me. Um, and he's seen my channel. But when he met me, I had 33 subscribers and I knew 30 of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah. <laughs> it was one of those situations. Yeah. So, you know, we've he got like 15,000 subscribers now. Like I'm I'm at like 3,500 or whatever it is. But you know, the, the growth is is happening and now I have a community. So it's not just him. I've gone to Vid Summit in LA uh, last year. I met more people. So like I got literally people I can call yeah. at a whim and be like, yo, what you think about this? Or yo, I watched this one video and I think you should do more of this or less of that. So like, it's just, I had that community now. So it's just, that's paramount, honestly. With all that, like, what's the, the goal? Like, what's the, the goal with the, with, with, with your channel? Two goals, right? So as I mentioned before, I used to watch a lot of these car review videos and I don't feel like I got, there was no one-stop shop for all the information I was personally looking for. Mm -hmm. So my goal with the channel is to not only educate, but also entertain and empower. And what I mean by that is, well, the empowerment piece is that you should have enough information after watching one of my reviews to be able to confidently go to a car dealership and talk to a salesman or really pick out what car you want or ask about certain features or capabilities that that car has um, and even possibly negotiate your pricing uh, based on that. So, you know, I really want to do that for for anyone that watches my video. So like if you were never had a car before, have a car, a car enthusiast or someone that's just kind of like shopping around in the market and just kind of want to learn about these different cars without feeling those pressures of going to the dealership and having somebody try to like sell you something to get you out the door with something. Mine is like a, a, a low risk situation where you can go, you can get some entertainment, get some knowledge and then feel empowered to make a decision, whatever that decision may be, whether it's purchase or a test drive when you get to that dealership. But on the back end of that, YouTube is uh, one of those places where I never thought that there's YouTube as like a content creator. You just want to create content. You want to be an artist, right? And then there's then there's YouTube as a business where I feel like once my channel got monetized, that's when I started looking at it as a business. So now it's like, OK, how can I grow this business? How can I scale this business? And yeah, you can make money off YouTube ad revenue. That's cool. But like there's also seven streams of income within YouTube. So, you know, there's merch, which is an obvious one and, and apparel and all that stuff. So, you know, that's an avenue that I want to embark on. There's brand deals. So you know, brands have already started reaching out to say, hey, review this product for me and, and, you know, I'll pay you or I'll give you an affiliate link. And that's kind of for you to kind of negotiate until you get to like that big brand deal mm -hmm. that supports you. Um, and then, you know, there's a there's a few other avenues as well uh, that you can explore. So I think that for me, it's just how do I how do I grow this entity? How do I scale it and um, have fun while doing so? So that's mm -hmm. that's probably the biggest thing for me right now. But when you start Looking at your YouTube channel as a business, you start to make much different decisions. Everything's more strategic. Everything's more intentional. And you you gamble. You're still going to gamble, but it's going to be like a high risk, high reward situation when you start looking at it like that. Last one, and we'll wrap up here. Like, If you could go back mm -hmm. in time and talk mm -hmm. to Lil Wiz. Oh, man. Lil Wiz, right? Lil Wiz that still has a Jamaican accent. Oh, man. What would you say or what would you tell him? Honestly, I would I would I would tell Lil Wiz that no matter what's going on, like these external factors and and, and people that doubt you or try to put you in a box, like don't it's just noise. Don't don't listen to it at all. Like stay true to yourself. Be brave, be bold, uh, dare to be different. And being different is not a bad thing. I think uh, when I first came to this country, uh, I got teased a lot and, you know, bullied and stuff like that. But as you get older now, you kind of realize like what happened. They probably didn't have like good household situations and stuff like that. But I think a lot of that helped kind of shape the way I moved and how I kind of like changed things about myself that I probably shouldn't have changed. Mm. And I think that going back, I wouldn't have changed none of those things. And I would have just stayed true to who I was. And it was kind of more me trying to assimilate than trying to like stay the course and be who I was. So I think that's the biggest thing I'll probably tell myself is 
it's noise. Don't listen to it. And as a kid, you don't know. But I think that would be the biggest thing I told myself. Yeah, I think a, a lot of us come to that revelation later, mm-hmm. right? Like I think a lot of time, like me being very outspoken and saying whatever was mm-hmm. on my mind was a defense mechanism, mm-hmm. right? Because people would pick at the kid named Hubert wearing glasses that was chubby and smart in the gifted classes. So I was like, well, I'm tired of people saying stuff to me. So I'm going to have something to say back, right? Mm-hmm. And that turns into a part of you that isn't so great. It, it no longer becomes that defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. It becomes you being a bully, right? Or just like other things that where you like just don't feel comfortable doing things that or talking about things that are just normal things mm-hmm. to be a kid, right? Like mm-hmm. growing up and finding out that there were so many other black kids that watch anime. Like, or like love movies or that, you know, even something like getting a massage. Yeah. Like everything when we were growing up in our era was, that's gay. Don't do that. That's, that's, a, that's a fact. Like, that's a fact. I'm like, bro, I, I, like, I like getting a massage. I like getting rubbed on. That's like, a fact. My body, my body feel better. You know what I'm saying? And I think it is great advice to just be like unless it is serving you mm-hmm. and helping you be a better person ignore it because yeah. every no matter what you do no matter how you move right wrong or indifferent somebody's going to have an opinion somebody's going to have something and to say and that opinion and I, I i i'm like if you are important to me or you're not paying me your opinion is worth zero <laughs> like absolutely nothing because when i'm when i'm when i'm a great person somebody got something to say mm-hmm. when i'm a bad person somebody got something to say so i might as well just be comfortable with myself and do what i make the decisions that i'm comfortable with and move forward with um so yeah well bro i appreciate you coming on bro yeah, no doubt, um, no doubt. thank you for taking time with me uh so you guys as always i wish you peace patience understanding knowledge wisdom discernment health strength and resolve uh, I tell you to be your best self because everybody's already taken. Uh, so till next time, y'all be easy or don't. Every choice has a consequence. Every reaction has a reaction.